Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 is an outline for your testimony. If you are a Christian, you have a testimony that God saved you from spiritual death. Please follow along with Pastor Jim as he delivers today's slice of this week's message entitled, Dead But Made Alive. So disobedience is a synonym, if you will, for not believing. Now look further, verse 3. Among them too, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the, ra- as the rest. And notice the word formerly. This is the, taste, the testimony of, well, that guy who got saved in Acts 9 and gave his testimony in chapter 22 and in, and in verse chapter 26. We all walked, lived in this realm. Now, when we see the phrase, lusts of our flesh, we always think of uh, pornography and immorality, but that isn't what it means, or that isn't all that it means. It just means the desires that come from our own fleshliness, which is our own fallenness, our, our connection to this corrupted world system. It's just as much from the flesh as it is of the mind because it is our nature as children of wrath, just like the rest around us. So when he says we formerly walked this way, well, that has the implication that when a person is made alive in Christ, the life changes. Famous words of 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. When I first heard the gospel, when I first turned to Christ, I woke up the next morning and lo and behold, I still wasn't six foot two. Uh, Here I was a new creature, but you know what? You come to Christ, you are made new. It's transforming but you're still going to look the same. You still sound the same. You still have the same mannerisms. You still have to eat and sleep and go to work. You still have to um, pay the bills and obey the laws. But your attitude changes. It's an inward transformation. Your priorities changed, uh, are changed and more focused Your conscience becomes better and better aligned with God's Word. And you begin to delight in those things that delight Him. Before we come to Christ, we are by nature children of wrath. We are walking toward a destiny that includes the outpouring of the wrath of God. We're still in our trespasses and sins. 
God's wrath is that, that settled attitude that He has toward, um, toward sin. And eventually, after all of that wrath has accumulated, it's all going to be poured out. See all the ugly things in the middle of the book of Revelation, if you want a glimpse of what that is. We recently saw this in our little daily studies in the Gospel of John. Remember at the end of chapter 3, it was just a day or two ago, Jesus said this, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. That's That's the new creature. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. He'll remain dead in trespasses and sins. But the wrath of God abides on him. So, so think of it like, I don't know, the sort of Damocles hanging over you. Or uh, I heard a description years ago, think of this giant vat that stores up the wrath of God and every sin causes one more drop of His molten wrath to be poured into this great big vat and it, and it hangs just slightly off center. So with each drop, it tips just a little bit more And one day it will reach the tipping point and it will all be poured out. That's what it means. The wrath abides on that person. So our problem is we're alienated from God. And we're powerless to get ourselves out of that mess because the standard is the glory of God, perfection. That was your state before you came to Christ or that is your state if you're not in Christ Today, if you haven't yielded your life to Him, that's your problem. But, ah, here's the good news. What about your position? The new position of someone who is in Christ. Look at verses 4 and 5. Some people have argued that the first two words here may be the most significant two words in the New Testament. I don't know if you can say that unequivocally, but boy, are they important. But God. But God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So here we are now in the middle of this next giant sentence. This one's 123 Greek words long. And we finally got to the verb. And notice how it flows in the context. And you, that's and, connecting to, verse, uh, to chapter 1, talking about the fullness of Him who fills all in all in Christ, you weren't there. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in His mercy and the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead, we were made alive together with Christ. There's some great words there. Rich means wealthy or abundantly supplied. God is rich in mercy. Mercy is His love when it is directed toward reaching out to extend extend kindness. Love is that great New Testament word agape that means love despite the unloveliness of its object. Love which acts in the best interest of the one that it's focused on, even if you can't get anything in return. God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us 
made us alive. Oh, that's cool. If you memorize this verse back when you were reading the, the King James before the uh, easier to read translations came out, it says, but he, but he has quickened us. Probably says, hath quickened us. Quickened is the old English word for made alive. Quick means alive, the opposite of dead. So I was taught, you're either quick or you're dead. And that kind of works in a lot of uh, connotations. He made us alive. And you were dead, but God made us alive. We who believe have the problem solved. Not because we can leap across the canyon, but God made us alive. He sent His Son to die in our, pla- in our place. Jesus went to that cross and endured the wrath of God that I deserve. And He didn't deserve it at all. And now He gives to me His righteousness so that now God looks on me as if I lived the perfect life of Christ. Wow! And that's the only way you can be made alive. And then he sticks in that little parenthesis, by grace you have been saved. That's one of those perfect tenses, you have been saved. It means that you, the, the work is completely finished, the project is completely finished, and now you stand in the state of continuous, the continuous state of being saved. That's why John Newton wrote, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. By grace you have been saved. You can't add to your salvation any more than you could achieve your salvation. And it can't be lost. God perfectly, completely, permanently accomplishes it through Christ. So, verse 6. And raised us up with Him. Made us alive and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, that takes you again back to chapter 1. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The power of God exalted Him, and now it has seated us with Him. We are, remember, fellow heirs with Him. We are going to inherit the kingdom with Him. We're going to be with Him there. So it says we are seated with Christ. The next verse tells us why God did this for us. Verse 7, so that in the ages to come, that's all the time after you were made alive, so that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ. This is one of those verses that has provoked one of my favorite descriptions of us. I love the phrase, trophy of His grace. He's going to show it for the ages to come. Show it to who? Well, how about the whole world of angels? It's as if He's put our photos on the, on the mantle of heaven. And no, I don't know if there's a mantle in heaven but He's done it in order to be able to proclaim forever, see what I accomplished? 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.